Should we do a pre-roll? Oh, we got, yeah, go ahead. All right. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter the offer code COMEDYFILMNERDS at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Pot kettle, <laughs> build it good. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, everybody! Welcome to episode three hundred and ten. Comedy film nerds, you were looking at the sheet of paper on what to say. I, I was indeed forgot the name of the show. So sure, <laughs> <laughs> we've only done over. Is this, th- is this part of the pre-roll? <laughs> no, this is the whole. We're st- I thought we were starting. You know, I sort of a said welcome, and then you know what happens. It's, we got a lot going on. You know, we, it's hard to remember even where we are sometimes. With the spoiler apps, we've done over 350 episodes. Yes, of this. easily. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I haven't had much sleep. Yeah, you just came back from Lake Tahoe. We got a lot going on. Thank oh, you. You just came back from I'm Tahoe. Just, mm-hmm. Literally yesterday. Oh, all right. I had a great time. How long is that gig? A week? It's a week from Wednesday to Sunday. Oh, golly. Okay. Yeah, that's nice business. So uh, thank you to everybody who came out to the shows. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lot of fun. Had some comedy film nerd fans, and then uh, you know, did uh, thanks to Howie. Did, he and I went skiing one day. Oh, that great. was nice. That everybody at uh, Sierra Tahoe. That was fun. So it's nice to know there's snow up there. Man, they've gotten so much snow this year because you know they've been dry for like they they were really yeah. It was hurting their business, so it's kind of great to see they've had all mm-hmm. the snow. It snowed while I was up there, so you know the all the all this the town was making money. Like cool. it was doing what it's. Supposed Do you gamble or anything? You know. A little. I tried when I was younger. I used to like. Woo. I think we all yeah. did when we got to casinos in yeah. like our twenties. Right. Like, oh, this is great. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. And, no, you lost six hundred bucks. Right. Like, and I made three hundred and fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I'm losing money on this gig. So yeah. I'm very. Like, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Yeah. You know? yeah. Right. I don't. <laughs> I know. We're gonna stay up all night. Yeah. Like, woo. I remember working Vegas in '97, and with uh, Dave Attell. And like, one time I worked with Lopez, one uh, time I worked with David Tell. Oh and, my God. And just like, party animals. Oh my God. Like, coming like 6 a.m., fumbling into the employee cafeteria after just a boozy night yeah. of gamble train wrecking. Oh and, my God. I mean, David Tell made a show how he couldn't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you're going to be out. <laughs> I remember I worked with George Lopez. And we went out. And we just we just got annihilated. And the next day, we're in the green room, and he's like sitting there talking. And I, I like, like, oh god, I get, I just like got up and like had to go because the, the room was still spinning. I was mm-hmm. like still hungover at showtime. <laughs> and he comes up. He goes, "What's up, man? Are you pissed off?" I go, "What?" He goes, "You, I was talking to you, and you just got up and walked out." Like he thought right, I was right, like, right, right. I was like, "I'm out of no, here, George. I'm like, spinning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm violently ill to my yeah. tummy." <laughs> All and I need today is a piece of toast. Yeah. And I'm blaming you. Yeah. yeah, I need a toast and the milkshake, and I have to go mm-hmm. on stage and tell jokes, as yeah. do you. So, so let's focus. So we got a couple other announcements, too. What? We've got, yes, uh, we do. LA Podfest, the dates. Hello. September. 
November 23rd through the 25th. Uh, check it out, guys. Um, ticketing will be on sale very soon, like in the next week. Yes, but discounted hotel rooms are available now. If you go to LAPodFest.com, you could book the rooms now. Yeah, because I know a lot of you guys traveling from out of town yes. are like, when are the dates? I need to you know, make it. Right. A- you know, get off from work and all that shit. So, and, and the, the discounted rooms are limited. So you want to grab those. Yep. Yep. So, uh, and the sofa tells a nice hotel. It is. It is decent food. They're across the street from the Beverly center. Mm -hmm. Walking distance. A lot of fun stuff. Yeah. You can't go wrong. Those of you who have come out in the past, uh, you know, inspire the, the newbies to do what many of you guys come out for like a week and you go do a bunch of cool shit before and after the festival. And that's what I recommend. If you can come Mm -hmm. out, if you're coming in from out of town, man. A lot of people say went to Universal or went to Disney. They went to Largo. They go to Meltdown. They go to the UCB. They Mm -hmm. make it just like a comedy pilgrimage. Yeah, it's really cool. So So, come on out. So yeah, check it out and uh, stay a couple extra days too, if you like. And then also the... um, Everyone who won uh, during the Rabble Oscars, the live Oscar commentary, Mm -hmm. we're going to be sending out your prizes. Yep, they'll go out this week. So get ready for that. And um, uh, we should introduce our guest. Yeah, we haven't formally introduced him. <laughs> um, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, funny man who's been on the show before. Yes. The comedian, the only comedian I've ever seen that I've worked with that's used the word daguerreotype in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm so popular. <laughs> I'm huge with the pre-cinema people. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just reading at the time, like House of Seven Gables. And I'm like, I actually know what that is. That's it. <laughs> uh, s- uh, from the smartest man in the world podcast, Mr. Greg Proops. Hello, and everybody. Me. Hello, Chris. Hello, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, film nerds. <laughs> I also have my own show called the Greg Proops Film Club. If you're a film nerd and you want to listen to that, I don't know what the latest one up is, but I'm sure it's very good. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we show a film every month at the Sidden Family and then sometimes other places too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. So then. What 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 typically do you show? Well, a lot of seventies pictures. Uh, this year we've shown. Um, uh, uh, we had a Preston Sturgis festival for some reason. We had uh, Sullivan's Travels and the Lady Eve back to back, which I would have never done, but it just so happened that way. So two screwball mm-hmm. comedies in a row, and then they're doing an eighties independent cinema festival this month at the Cine Family in March. So they're showing. Um, She's got to have it and oh, a Thin nice. Blue Line oh, and all cool. the great eighties movies, right? Mm-hmm. And. Um, Malanoche, you know, like all the groovy indie stuff. And so they asked me what I wanted to show. And we wanted to show Do the Right Thing, but they were already showing a Spike Lee one. So Mm -hmm. we want Times of Harvey Milk, which is a brilliant documentary uh, from 84 Mm -hmm. about uh, uh, Harvey Milk's life, the assassination and everything that happened afterwards. So it's the first one that we've shown. One, it's the first documentary we've shown in like three years. And two, it's tragic, but it's also triumphant, of course, because now we live... Uh, 30 years later after the picture was made in a world where gay people can get married and there's only 30 states where they can be arrested for sodomizing each other oh, and for, yeah. or lose their job for admitting they're gay. So we've made progress uh, and mm-hmm. the military lets gay people in now. So, And I think in large part that's due to uh, his pioneering, him and a lot of other people, but him... Uh, notably, uh, his work as a gay activist. And, uh, and here, I mean, I'm from San Francisco, so or I'm San, San Carlos, let's be more specific. I didn't live in San Francisco when Harvey Milk was supervisor. I was going to the College of San Mateo at the time, uh, <laughs> but I remember his assassination quite well. And because uh, it happened, uh, Jonestown and that happened within months of each other. So there was a kind of a malaise with the Bay Area that year. Wow. Yeah, it was not a happy, happy time. Uh, so then, the so the, the the show at the Cine Family. Do you do any sort of like Q and A after or introduction? Oh, yeah. yeah, I do a spiel before, and that's mm-hmm. basically the show for about twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and then afterward we usually talk about the picture for like ten, fifteen minutes. Do you ever have people um, from the film, like producers? I've or tried, producers? but no, not this. Time. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not a guesty type uh, right. host. Evidently, I feel like I know goddamn everything about yeah. things. So uh, I'll be talking before yeah. and after. And I'll, what I love is fielding questions, and when they ask you questions about how movies got made or what producers thought, and I'm like. I, I'm a fan. You know, yeah. they'll go, well, how come there wasn't a sequel to yeah. this? And yeah, I'm like, I wasn't I don't on, know. Yeah, I wasn't on set. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't work for Paramount. I don't yeah. know why they didn't make another <laughs> Well, um, you could have a segment where um, you pretend you're one of the producers and yeah. you answer specifically every one of those Just questions. Just give all I of those yeah. film festival <laughs> stock right. panel, like, right, right. well, we were shooting and yeah. the thing that- It was know, in development three times. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know. Yeah. Look, we ran up against a wall with funding at the end of the right. day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we tried to go with the Spanish uh, group, yeah. but they fell oh. out at the last minute. And oh. so we weren't really able to get the sequel up and underway. Pre-sales in India were strong. Oh, yeah. my so. God. Our Asian market stuff was so yeah. huge. But we just, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it was really a, an aesthetic choice at the end of the yeah. day, more than, <laughs> our, more, than a, more than a business choice. I, you know, I don't come at it as a businessman. I come at it as an artist. And, uh, but sometimes art, you know, runs into a wall and it's called money. Oh. Yeah, that's where we, we had to recast. Uh, we didn't have anyone, oh. you know. I'm just booked. closing my eyes and picturing every film festival panel yes. I've ever. Oh. I listened to the nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that one, or I like the music people. You know, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. You know, I love the Lord, and uh, you know, like I, I try to keep the haters at bay. You know, like I, I acknowledge them, but you know, I don't like to let them into my world. You know. You have that so many haters for on. your score on an independent film. <laughs> <laughs> That you have to keep them at bay. Nobody noticed the music. How come comics are never allowed to use all the nonsense that film people? If you're in the music industry, you can get on stage and say that you thank God that you made a record. And if we came on stage and went, I want to thank God that I made this comedy special, people would be like, what? Why are you thanking God? Yeah, yeah. Because his spirit imbued me when I told that knob gag. Yeah. yeah. The hand job piece from high school, I think the Lord. Uh -huh. was, it was divine inspiration. Eye. Right. Yeah. There was a dark room and then there was a pinpoint of light and then the room was flooded with violet. And the next thing I knew, the hand job from high school bit right at the back, holding down the big spot, closing the show. And I want to thank the Lord for that and my family, especially my grandma, who loves my knob gags more than any other oh, older lady in my world. She loves world. my molestation piece. Yeah, she thinks she's a big she, fan she of that. She always asks for it when yeah. she comes to the show. No, comics have to answer uh, uh, when you go on the morning radio. How do you get your ideas? They're still asking that one. Yeah, yeah. And then last week I was in. Because it's the same DJs from 20 years yeah. ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. They're all still the same. They're all yeah. middle-aged guys. And you've been going to their station for 15 years right. now, yeah. and they still haven't figured out what you do. I was in a news station in Denver last week, and the woman goes, so Mark Marin had uh, Obama on her show. Podcasts are getting quite popular. And I went, yes, I understand the wireless is sweeping the nation now, too, and the people have them in their cars and in their homes. Like, are you really going to patronize what I do? Oh, God, because they it's so funny. <laughs> a handful of, of morning radio shows embraced podcasting yeah. and like, oh, we're going to digitize this and it's another ad revenue stream, blah, blah, blah. A lot of them took it as a threat mm. and were like, you know, oh, it was, it was like when mainstream media was like, oh, Kids today are getting their news from from the Daily Show. Right. Yeah, because your fucking news sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and John Stewart's the only dude I trust other yeah. than you. And they so they radio when they do that with the the podcasting and they're like I hear it's taking off. Like 
do you not know like there's YouTube? Do you not know that there's blogs? Do you not know that like, they think that the whole digital world is just still a handful of kooks? <laughs> right. uh-huh. You know, I want ham radios yeah, out yeah. there. <laughs> where, where you do yours in Area 51? Or I whatever. mean, we have yeah. that. But yes, it's more yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. No, it's, I'll say to them, you know, uh, maybe you're not aware that the top podcasters get millions of downloads a week, yeah. as many as if they were a television network. Right. Uh, crappy television networks don't get as many viewers as no. podcasts get. <laughs> Some of the podcasts get more listeners than a real TV show that you watch on MSNBC or whatever. And those top shows that you're talking about are now like selling out giant theaters right. and mm-hmm. arenas for their live shows. Yeah. Yes. And, you, and going on world tours. World tours. Right. Because it's the internet. Everyone gets it. Everyone. Yeah, that's they, right. I mean, I'm going to, well, you go to Australia all the time. I'm going mm-hmm. to Belgium and Sweden in the next few people go, do they get your jokes over there? Yes. Yeah. They listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. No one's wandering in off the streets in Belgium going, yeah. oh, an English only show? Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what this will be like if I can't understand a bloody word of it. You know, like, no, they've heard the goddamn thing. That's why they're interested in going. And it's a lot of expats, too. It's Always. like It's, it's yeah. a mix of expats, but then a lot of people that are just residents that enjoy what you yeah, do. Yeah, I've heard that. I did a tour through China, and they're like, God, do they understand you? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, no, you see, only people who speak Cantonese come to the show, yeah, and then yeah. they just fight it out. <laughs> and these are people who own phones. Like, I always say, to, like, people will say, I'll read something off on the, from a newspaper or an item, and people go, really, in the audience? And I'm like, everything is in your phone. Why everything. are you saying really to me? Go on your phone, crack a phone, open and instead of looking at your Facebook page or your Snapchat <laughs> go to a news page and you'll you then you won't be so unbelievably overwhelmed that I dropped a piece of knowledge on you <laughs> that everyone in the world has access to because it was in the bloody Washington Post you know yeah. like or what I'm not going to some arcane news source like it's not a guy who lives in a van with a hat on <laughs> Like, <laughs> which is a great news yeah, source no, let's those are good that guy's, yeah. good. Those that guy's good. good let's not be a dick and why would he wear a hat in his van well, cause it, so that the radio waves. Yeah. The tinfoil hat. So the radio waves. Because of the FBI and Bigfoot. That's about, I can't wait to, I can't wait to do the tinfoil hat van yeah. show. I can't wait to see that show. Oh, no, it's a good Someone's show. Someone's working on it. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about some movies. We, really? Uh, yeah, well, do we have to? Well, there's a few. We, Tangential. We, uh, <laughs> uh, now, you saw The Race. Okay, I saw The Race. Mm-hmm. I saw the first trailer for this. I was like, wow, a Jesse Owens movie that's not... It's being released in February. It didn't have, it wasn't like, this. shouldn't this be an Oscar? <laughs> didn't get a lot right. of prestige on that release. Right. Least, and here's why. It's just a by-the-numbers biopic. Okay. Like, they just took every biopic scene and they put it in there. You mean there's the day when he discovers he's faster than everyone oh, else? Oh, and he's a kid? Yeah. And then there's... Well, it's after an accident. He gets yeah. struck by lightning. And then he's the fastest man in the world, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a superhero origin story. Yeah. Absolutely, the natural. <laughs> he builds a pair of tennis shoes yeah. out of wood. They're wooden shoes that make him fast. And then, he, then he builds a windmill. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's is Chadwick Boseman the star of this, or who's the star of the race? It's a kid you haven't really. Oh, heard okay. Of. That's the thing. But it's funny. Everyone's like, "Why well, come Chadwick Boseman isn't yeah. in this movie?" Well, he played Jesse Owens and James Brown. I mean, yeah, he played a uh, James, James uh, Richaki Robinson yeah, and James Brown. So yeah, it's it's and he's a great athlete. So I um, it's just sort of it really if you watch that if you watch any sort of somebody struggled biopic um, you know and they, they 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 do some interesting stuff you know they go to the whole part is the whole movie focuses on him going to Berlin yeah there's a little bit of how he started and mm. he's, he's running track in, at school at Ohio State 
Um, but it's mainly those Olympics and and everyone going, you know, the, the debate in America of like, is Hitler that bad? You know, like everyone, we hadn't quite figured it. And some people were and some people. And so um, you've got Jeremy Irons just doing the classic English actor with like American accent, hard oh, R's. No. And I was like, come on, man. No, he wasn't playing like a villain taking over. I was going to say uh, he's not Hitler. I know, yeah, he yeah. should have been like, kind of, oh, Goebbels. Like I would have expected. Like, the- yes. <laughs> uh, just has. From the under race. <laughs> We're all the superior crime. I would have preferred that. Yeah. So, well, maybe at some point, uh, he's like, the agent just went, look, Jeremy, I've got one non-creepy role. Yeah, uh, ever it. in right. your life. Is he the manager or something? Or? He's one of these, uh, I'll bring it up on IMDb, but he is, is one of these uh, actual uh, businessmen who, um, hold on, is, right. is uh, oh, let me bring this up. He's, he plays uh, one of the business guys that goes in and helps negotiate the deal between the because there's there, at the time the Olympic Committee was talking about we're not going to Nazi Germany yeah, to, right. to run in this Olympics. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jeremy Irons um, was that the last time they had integrity? Because <laughs> <laughs> they're right up there with FIFA as far oh, as oh god <laughs> those corrupt two, organizations. They they should just. You know, BP Oil should just buy them yeah, up yeah. and just be like, you know, let's just do it. We're going to make some money. But he plays uh, Avery Brundage. Oh, Avery Brundage, who's the, the founder of the Olympic Committee, yes. is he not? Or, uh, so, well, was the, the head of it at the time. One of the head guys. He was still head when we were little. Yeah. That's how long he was there. And so it goes into, you know, Avery kind of had to make this deal with the Germans. Oh. And, and, and it, so there's some interesting scenes of sort of the... The, the back room haggling to get this done and Jesse and, and, and some people are like, don't run in the Olympics um, because, you know, uh, black people are not getting fair rights here. So we need to protest. You know, like there's, all, he's getting mm-hmm. all this right. from all sides and he's just like, I just want to run up. There's, there's, and that's why I love racing because there's fast and they're slow. There's no color, yeah. you know? And so there's some okay scenes like that, but there's just, it's so just some of the dialogue. I'm like, I have heard this in like, mm. In Selma, Ice Castles. I, like, I, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> what's yeah. the bowling ball movie? There's a bowling one. <laughs> it, the is, 80s. it is one of those where you're just like, you can do it and yeah. fight. Kingpin. The- yeah, King- <laughs> it doesn't end with him running across the finish line or anything in a freeze frame. Oh, no, it's not that okay, bad. That, that would have been. And he didn't go blind and still have to run. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, I was watching it going, oh, okay. I mean, the kid who played Jesse Owens, uh, Stephen James, Jason Sudeikis plays his track coach and he's okay. Um, and then there's, there's, you know, this actor, uh, Car- uh, David Cross plays Carl Lutz Long. Now, they focus a lot on those Olympics and they have Lenny Rufenstahl shooting this and showing how Goebbels was telling her how to shoot the movie. Right. And what happens is, this is the actual event, so it's not like a spoiler alert, but uh, Lutz um, loses to Jesse Owens or something, or like embraces him and they become like friends. And of course it infuriates the Nazis. And that was a big part of the story and how those guys, those two guys were actual friends in real life. So there's some mm. interesting stuff like that because they had to make i mean they i'm glad they chose because those were actual stories that happened that were really interesting but so much of the storytelling is just so by the numbers biopic like i think you just took a biopic program and just plugged in these names right those beats and like i mean i saw some of this in the um i remember in the uh, 
the Johnny Cash one, yeah. walk the line. You know, mm. I mean, it was just so that just kind of standard stuff. So I was like, oh, I get why this was a February release. Right. Oh, that's a pity. Well, then, are, are we saying that Olympiad by Lenny Reifenstahl is a better movie than Race, <laughs> even though it's made from the Nazis' point of view because the filmmaking's better? Yeah. <laughs> yes. All those flames, all those oh, people with her torches. film is extraordinary <laughs> visuals. Well, well, that was the thing. Like, it was one of those bio. Well, it had a point of view. It, had it did. <laughs> she's unsupportable politically, yeah. but <laughs> filmically, she's obviously got more game than yeah. the. Um. <laughs> But I think it was it was one of those classic biopics where I went, man, would I love to see a really good documentary mm. about this? Right, like that's mm. what I want to see is the like get me the documentary with the hard research yeah. that doesn't have the sappy Hollywood dialogue. I'm betting there's a Bud Greenspan movie. One, you know, he used to do all those Olympic yes. films. I'm betting there's one of those that's a better one than this. Yeah, you're probably right. Maybe there'll be a thirty by thirty. That'd be a great. Oh, I'm certain there might be a thirty by 30. a thirty by thirty on because his life post that what happened is the tragic part because right. he wasn't able to become a big star, mm-hmm. a sports star mm-hmm. in the United States, and ended up doing novelties and fairs and running against horses and whatnot. Yeah, and it really and is uh, yeah, it's just terrible. You should that, if that hasn't been done, someone should do a documentary focusing on those Olympics mm-hmm. and then after his life, like you just and Jackie about. Robinson's mm-hmm. brother Mac was in those Olympics too, and I think might have finished third in that race. And oh, ended wow. up being a janitor out in uh, Pasadena uh, and used oh, to wear wow. his Olympic jacket and whatnot. Wow. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot to the story that, you know, obviously a movie can't cover anything. A movie's no. there to make you feel good about being white and paying $8. I find that really <laughs> interesting, actually. those That would be an interesting to right? see, like, this rise mm-hmm. and then, you know, what happened. Yeah, after. and they, I mean, they, they, they focus on, you know, too. We, the, we saw it with Alan Turning right. with, uh, with, with, um, the Omega Code movie. Jesus, the Omega. Wow, I got that completely wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the Enigma Code. The yeah. movie about the vitamins. The yes, Omega exactly. <laughs> Wait, Don't the Charles take them without eating. Yeah, But they showed, you know, what happened to him after, you know, he broke this code right. and then he basically died penniless and was prosecuted for being gay. Yeah. There's a, I mean, obviously, that is such a huge event. You could do a whole movie on Lenny Rufenstahl. You yeah. could do a whole movie on the two Jewish runners on the Olympic team that the Nazis said they can't run. Yeah. And and they leaned on the coaches and Jesse had to take their plate. Like, and so he was running like on behalf of them. Wow. That's, that story alone right. is like, you know. There's also another cat who won the long jump who's a black guy who won a gold medal in yeah. that Olympic too. His name escapes me at the moment because I have no memory, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's five million stories. The 36 Olympics are this giant, pivotal sporting moment because it's when fascism meets the rest of the world. Jesse Owens is the very emblem of supposedly democracy. Right. Except he's treated like shit by America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> except when he's running and winning medals. And it was just sort right. of like, it was the whole world's insanity and hypocrisy yeah. in right. one. And Joe Lewis, right? Because yeah. Joe Lewis beat Schmeling in what, 39 or 40? Yeah. Who was a German boxer. And mm-hmm. that was another giant moment before the war. And then Paige, they're really the three most famous black athletes from then are Satchel Paige, Jesse Owens, and mm-hmm. Joe Lewis. And only, sadly, Joe Lewis and Satchel made any money. And then Joe Lewis ended up being a greeter in Vegas, yeah. right? Because his life didn't end up so hot. Yeah, it's there's so many... St- like. I want to. Well, that's a get... hundred different movies. Yeah, that could have, that could just, have been made. I just yeah. pitched you three more. Yeah, right? <laughs> this one's called Satchel Jackie. And yeah. Joe. <laughs> Satchel what we're gonna do here? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it's it's. They know. weren't unknown to each other though, because I know that Jackie Robinson, when he was in the army in World War II, before uh, he was uh, uh, you know played for the Dodgers, 
um, he went, he'd wanted to sign up for officers candidate school. Well, they weren't going to let black guys do that. And he rang Joe Lewis because Joe Lewis was uh, already an enlisted man in the war. And Joe Lewis rang some higher ups he knew that were white guys and they pulled strings and they got Jackie into OCS. Oh. He was a Lieutenant in the army during world war two and a base in Texas uh, but that required him actually having to petition to get to even go to OCS. They're like, yeah, you're bright and you went to UCLA, but that doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you're a four-letter athlete and highly intelligent and motivated and a great leader of people. Mm. <laughs> we got some fat white guys over here that are really, really nice guys. <laughs> so, you know, because where did Jesse run in college? Ohio State. Yeah, he's from Ohio State. And he had to be the greatest runner in the country by like a thousand miles. Well, yeah, that was, and they focused, the first part of the movie focuses a little bit about on his yeah. college career and, and Jason Sudeikis as his coach, who was like, he came, I think he came to Ohio State in like 32 or 33 mm -hmm. and was like, you're going to the Olympics and you're going to win gold. Like, this is what you got to do and worked yeah. on his form and his technique. And Jason Sudeikis was a, was a really good, his character was a really good runner at Ohio State and stuff like that. So it focuses a little bit about that and how he was just dis demolishing records oh, yeah. uh, on the collegiate level and, and then the, getting up into the Olympics. The whole second half of the movie is at the Olympics, hmm, at sure. the 36 Olympics. So the ra hmm. uh, race, actually, the movie, it's not the race. It's just race. It's, uh, it's all right. It's not, it's not great. It's all right. All right, next movie, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. This is the Tina Fey Warzone movie. All right, what did you think of it, Chris? Okay, I saw this movie. I did not like it. I didn't think it was a good movie. And one of the reasons I didn't like it is it had this weird feel to it of like, this was most likely a dramatic story. And then when Tina Fey got involved, they're like, all right, now we have to funny it up. Mm -hmm. So it really felt so About uneven. About those bombs falling. Yeah. <laughs> So it, the it baby like, scene has got to go. It, it's, it was like insane. <laughs> like there was like, okay, well, this is this is a scene from Thirty Rock. Now this is a war zone movie. Oh my now God. It, it was like the, these weird mixes of like, okay, now it's um, now it was almost like Saving Private Benjamin. <laughs> That's really. <laughs> So this is this weird mix of like you know there's war, there's some tense war zone stuff and then there's some like very flat jokes yeah, that, uh, yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> that just don't work as like oh wait well now you're supposed to make me feel horrified and now I'm laughing at quips that Tina Fey is making is she a reporter so, yeah she's a reporter she's an embedded reporter and and here's the thing Based about on a true it, story oh I, I will which say Gulf this. War is this the first one or the no no it's it's Afghanistan she's there like yeah. okay. two oh three to oh six okay. now I will say this um, Tina Fey has a dramatic role in her for sure I mean there's definitely you could see a lot of really cool like uh, um, almost like roots of that in this movie but I feel like she's not where she needs to be and this movie is not a good vehicle for her to show off those dramatic acting chops so uh, I think she um, the acting is de it's okay no one really knows what to do like you could see like well should I be funny here or should I be serious like it had that feel of like no one really knew what to do scene to scene so and I could see kind of why well, it's another February Marches release, okay. March release, and uh, I, I felt like this was kind of like if 
in more capable hands, this could have been either an interesting satire or a nice dramatic role for Tina. I felt like the movie went in two different directions and didn't know where it wanted to go. Do you think she was attached to it after it got going? That's or? really what it felt like. It yeah. felt like it was like this dramatic film and then it got Because if it was Jessica on. Chastain, it's a serious movie. Right. Because <laughs> right? she's already proven she can handle right. torture. Yeah. And Well, here's the thing. I had a very different response to yeah. this movie. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Now, here's here's why. Now, granted- Mean I, kernels. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you nailed it, you nailed it. Um, I, 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 and now, granted, I, have a, I just have a completely different take on it. And not that just because I've been to Afghanistan doesn't mean like- well, I know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's not it's not that at all. I guess it just resonated a lot with me because um, that, to me, and, and I was worried that from watching the trailer that it was that I was going to have the reaction you had, which is mm. oh, they're like joinkies, <laughs> IEDs, you know, yeah, like, right, right. like it was going to be too funny. But I thought cool at the Taliban. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually, I actually thought that there was a, a decent balance, and and here's why. Now I now I have not been the, the. It's based on the book The Taliban Shuffle: Strange Days in Afghanistan and Pakistan by Kim ba- Kim uh, Barker. So to me, why it sort of resonated is going over there is insane, and people that choose to go over there are a little crazy. I remember talking to Scott Kennedy, who was going over there once a month. Yeah. He did 50-some tours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd been over there like, I don't know, five or six times. I went over there with him three times. And I he was like, oh, Graham. He was getting the hang of it. He was like, anyone who comes over here is, is like running from something. They got some crazy shit back <laughs> in the States. And they were like, come, on, come over here. So that whole vibe that they were of all these embed reporters who were all nuts and also how she gets the gig they're in that room at the station and they're like, all you guys, none of you have kids. So we're, you, you're the ones we're yeah. going to ask to do this. And so like the craziness of it. Cause they get killed over there too. Oh yeah. Oh, they yeah. get better reporters. For absolutely. Sure. And, and a big part of the, that I know this from an article that I read, a big part of the book, um, which I think was in the movie and I thought it was done well is the addiction to adrenaline. And they talk a lot about that, and like, and I've heard a lot of embed reporters and stuff. You you want to get into it? I mean, you want to? And I can't. I mean, the times I've gone over there, it's it's awesome and it's rewarding, as I've talked about. And but there is an adrenaline rush. I'm not going to lie to you. That's mm. part of going over there. Is I'm flying, you know, and I'm watching this movie. They're flying around in ospreys and helicopters, and there's gunfire, and I've gone through some of that shit, mm-hmm. and it's it's a crazy charge. And I think it attracts sort of uh, um, a crazy person a little bit. And to me, I thought it was a good balance between the the serious scenes and the jokey scenes because, again, like, I remember going over there and just we would fucking laugh harder than I've ever laughed. And then the very next moment would be like in tears because some soldier would come up and go and tell their story or, or you know, we'd go into the hospital and we'd meet wounded soldiers yeah. and you'd just be like gut-wrenching tears and then someone would crack a joke because it's a bunch of comedians and the, the whole situation, it's so crazy. Afghanistan is a crazy country. It's crazier right. than Iraq. Mm. And the history of it and what's going on and then what we were doing there. So that, I don't know, it it kind of it kind of worked for me. But again... How do you feel about Alfred Molina playing an Afghan uh, leader? <laughs> 
minded. Was he Karzai? <laughs> no, he wasn't Karzai. That would be awesome, though. Um, I always thought Ben Kingsley was Karzai. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ben Kingsley. That would have made sense. Um, I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it, but then maybe I'm so... It was ridiculous. He was playing a sketch character. Oh. Is it supposed to be What the Fuck, the Whiskey Tango Foxtrot thing? WTF? Oh, the, I, that could be it. I don't well, know. Those are the letters, right? Yeah, I think, I think that is. WTF. What the fuck? Because that, right. that is sort of what happens over there. Yeah. And the things that, that sort of resonated with me, too. And maybe that's why I just sort of overlooked all these other things yeah. that I... <laughs> the, the obvious flaws. The obvious movies. flaws in the movie. <laughs> which is like, she talks about this towards... She's there uh, from, I think we said like, 03 to 06. And, mm-hmm. and by the end of it, there's like, ah, oh, it's Afghanistan. No one wants to talk about it because everyone's talking about Iraq. And I remember going, I remember being in Afghanistan in 06 and talking to soldiers who were like, one guy, we were at this small base, me and Shamatash in Jalalabad, and we were in this mess hall and we were talking to this guy and he was down from a real small fire base that was getting contact every day. Yeah. And one of his guys got hit, so we had to come down with his guy to the bigger base. And and at the time in 06, Iraq was getting all the news. And he, yeah. this guy said, fuck Iraq, man. I'm taking fucking fire every goddamn yeah. day. Yeah. Like there's yeah. a fucking war, war here. Right. Mm-hmm. And I heard all that stuff in the movie. I heard an, uh, an Air Force officer say, oh man, we could be getting so much more done here, but we diverted all the resources right. to Iraq. Right. You know, and so- No oil in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. just, just- Dick Cheney was a little more interested in yeah, other things. There's just minerals for cell phones, but yeah. you know- <laughs> And a, a pipeline that yeah. can go from uh, Russia to the... There's a lot of poppies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and heroin, of yeah, course, of course, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it sort of... I guess it just... I guess I forgave some of those flaws. But I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to know, since you and I split on it so much, mm. what anyone else out there who sees the movie, what you guys think of it and email us. Yeah, definitely let us know. Um, Provided it's a short email and doesn't <laughs> accuse me of being an asshole. <laughs> All right, well, then we're not going to get any. I was going to say, yeah. wow. <laughs> Really limited. <laughs> if I have to work in those parameters, yeah, let's forget it. People are going to well, throw I mean, away dis- their computers. It's discipline, yeah, it's, it's a discipline. And I have to keep this short and not be derogatory. Wow. No, you of all people, Greg. Yeah. You come, yeah. on. come on. And Greg, what Graham is saying is, stop emailing him. Stop. Yeah, <laughs> really, that's, I don't want to do this typically on air, but uh, minor signed Robespierre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean i did like seeing i did like seeing tina fey be serious yeah do some serious stuff i like mm. watching do that. you know where they shot it by any chance new mexico ah i was gonna say they had to find a mountainy deserty yeah. looking area they mm. fly around and i'm that like looks war torn that looks war albuquerque it's tough especially santa fe i took a green pepper the other day <laughs> I, <didn't laughs> I saw some quartz jewelry yeah. and i just <laughs> next to you a, had a flashback yeah next to a jackalope <laughs> and <laughs> the jackalope indian dream catcher but yeah so I, yeah, go watch this, guys, and see um, who who are you with? Team, yeah. Hashtag Team Chris or Hashtag Team Are there Graham. any other comics in it, or is she just... Uh, it's it's multi... It's, it's Mar- Margot Robbie. It's, oh, okay. it's, um, it's Billy Bob Thornton plays a, uh, a curmudgeon funny general. Yeah. Sure. Um, uh, Get out of my office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's some of that. There's a little bit of Be that. Be careful out there. Yeah. <laughs> And what? And and um, Martin Freeman, yeah, okay. And he plays a nice Scottish boozy uh, yeah. reporter. He's always fun to watch. He's always fun to watch. He's mm. always interesting, fun to watch because he's mm. one of these guys who's like, ah, you know, you want to sleep with me, you know, like that. <laughs> one of yeah. those guys, mm-hmm. and they he's still adorable. Um, all right, 
So Zootopia. Yes, Chris. I saw Zootopia with the family over the weekend, and I have to say it was a good movie. It's uh, it was uh, it was enjoyable. It, it was interesting the way they played I think around. With I the, think your view is shaded because you've lived in a cartoon zoo. Well, that is true. Yeah, and I was I had a couple flashbacks to like you <laughs> uh-huh. know a train going through a rainforest, uh, but. This was an interesting movie. It was interesting timely-wise, too, because it was a lot of it was about race and um, the way you're treated based on the, your perceptions of the different animals. Oh. You know, if you're a predator or prey, and uh, it's like, you know, we prey, we're 80% here. You know, why are, we, uh, why are we dealing with the predators at all? They could go feral at any moment. You know, it was a lot of interesting things. But what I loved about it was that it played around with the political correctness. Mm-hmm. Like um, when the, the the rabbit is like the first uh, police officer, the first rabbit police officer in Zootopia. And when she goes to the clerk, the clerk goes, oh, you are so cute. And the, she goes, uh, you know, it's okay if rabbits, we call each other cute. But when someone else says uh-huh. it, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of offensive. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. So it has some really cool stuff Is in it there. Is a sequel? It's not. No, oh. it's a new property. But um, I so think Madagascar. I guess. It, it really. Uh, it really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's about a hundred of those. Of those. Yeah. yeah. So it's like parrots. Yeah. I keep saying. Yeah. <laughs> Most likely, it's doing very well. I wouldn't be surprised if there was actually a sequel to it. Jason Bateman does a fine job oh. in this uh, as the uh, as the fox that no one trusts. And um, what, what I really liked about I it, too... I object to foxes being cast that way yes. at this late date. <laughs> yeah. Why are they always untrustworthy? And that's, and that's really... that's um, What are they, wolves? Yeah. <laughs> but it goes into all that, too. It's like, you know, as they were... You know, these animals were bullied as kids. And then really? it, and it, it, uh, it reflects, like, the worldview of how they're, they're perceived as adults. So it gets into some really... Um, metaphorical stuff for race and perception, which it, it went it went deeper than I thought it would, which was interesting. So then, how did your how did your kids did they kind of pick up on these? Mis- I don't think they picked up on all of it, especially like kind of the jokes about political correctness. But they definitely got the stuff about like intolerance. They got the broader message, which it, for sure. But I'm the, hoping the message was we're all brothers and sisters. Yeah, yes, and not by the way, yeah. the zebras are superior. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah. awesome. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be <laughs> At the end, yeah. Lions win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the predators and prey. Uh, can lions only. Yeah. <laughs> You're drinking troughs down yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have been born weak. Yeah. I guess. What are you going to do? What's You're too small. my fault? Yeah. 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 But yeah. stuff like, My hey. fault I'm dominant? Yeah. You know, I they, don't think so. And they give her, like, parking duty. And she's like, hey, I'm not just some token bunny. You know, uh, like they do, yeah. they do stuff like that. And uh, it, what I like, too, is it, it did a lot of cool, fun stuff with the animation and, like, the environments. Like, Zootopia is, like, split up into sections. Like, there's a train that goes through. There's, like, the rainforest, where all the rainforest animals live. There's the desert. And the police uh, at the uh, police academy have to train for all these different environments. So they had all these weird obstacle courses they had to go through. And um, so it was really interesting. Where it, it fell flat a little bit is when it had such some interesting and smart and insightful jokes it when it fell back on the obvious jokes that's where you're like oh you know guys you don't need to do that right it's like you know the animal that's the godfather you know he's got uh, you know the polar bears as the bodyguards and you know but he's real tiny and he just talks exactly like you know don corleone you, you don't have to do that we, we're already seeing more interesting things here so could have been worse could have been all star wars jokes yeah <laughs> That's the new Godfather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just all Ren 
yep. jokes. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially since it's Disney, you know, they know they're going to cross-pollinate through all the different brands yep. to re-promote the next uh, movie. But I thought it was, uh, I thought they did a really good job. It was animated really well. I'll tell you, it's Disney, you know, buying Pixar was really smart because now that John Lasseter is kind of in charge of all the animation, there's those Pixar touches now and even the ones that mm-hmm. aren't Pixar movies. And this one definitely had a lot of that. But, you know, it doesn't, it didn't really let you off the hook as far as like, um, even like the adult viewers. I'm like, no, this is really what's going on. And this kind of reflects what's happening. And this, whether it's animals or people, it's, you, you know, we have still have a lot of work to do. So it was a really fun movie and it, it balanced it. It wasn't heavy handed where like, all right, I got it, the message, you know, but because it was also fun and frenetic and uh, just really visually beautiful to look at. That's cool. So it was, did a, you see it in 3d or 2D? We, we didn't see it in 3d. We saw it in 2d and uh, some of the environments and stuff, like I think would be really cool in 3d, but I just get so bored with 3d unless yeah. it's done really well. Right. So, so I I was fine into also wearing glasses. Well, I guess they give you the big goggles now. So right in the old yeah. days, the cardboard ones were like this is a drag. Yeah. <laughs> when and, you wear glasses, it's like Whoa. and they haven't gotten it right. Where even like when you wear the glasses, sometimes then it makes the film too dark too. Right. So yeah, that's it, it, that's my biggest it. complaint. Mm-hmm. Is that I feel like the, the, the whole I feel like I'm in a bubble or I'm wearing right. a, a hood or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just it takes away from the film. So um, so it was good. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was a good family film. It was one of those. Um, good family movies where as an adult you're not going to be bored out of your minds there's stuff for you too right. so so um, now Greg this is a movie uh, that we have talked about but wanted to get your point of view on it is the Nina Simone documentary that was the one on Netflix right like uh, yeah. what happened Miss Simone I saw it uh, we watched it at home and uh, I think her daughter was one of the producers on it if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. and I thought it had a lot of groovy footage that you didn't get to see of Nina Simone but I thought at the end of the day they kind of turn her into this tragic figure and I mean to be you know to be sure she's uh, probably bipolar and has a lot of alcohol issues right. and things like that and certainly uh, the men in her life might not have always been the best thing for her but at the end of the day I always feel like not that I always want a hey geography not that I always want everyone can- canonized in a documentary yes you have to show their human side and all that jazz but she's kind of a genius and she almost stands alone like as an artist She's almost her own genre of music because right. she's a classically trained artist who did jazz and and her most famous song Mississippi Goddamn is like a Broadway show tune and that's her most famous protest song and she wrote it after all the shit went down in Mississippi in 1963 and and if you hear her singing she goes this is a song um, this is a show tune for a show that ain't been written yet and then plays it because it's a real bouncy little Broadway number mm-hmm. all about lynching and murder and, you know, <laughs> and that's how profound she is as right. an artist. And uh, so I felt like it kind of gave her, while you got to see the revealing parts of her breakdown and there's uh, definitely scenes where she's playing on stage and she's kind of losing her shit a little in France and whatnot. Right. And she had to move to Europe. At the same time, I was kind of angry only because I love her so much and think, why you want to? Why you want to fuck with Nina Simone? She can't defend herself now. Now, mind you, this is someone who, when her neighbors in France made too much noise, she took out a gun and fired at them. Okay, and <laughs> yeah. and she was kind of abusive to her daughter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> she's she's crazy. There's no question about it. And uh, I mean, I saw her right before uh, she passed, maybe six months at the Wiltern uh, with my wife, and she came on 
with a lion's tail whisk that someone had given her in Africa on a previous trip. She was wearing a, uh, at this point she was a little chunkier and was wearing a turban and had this whisk. And she goes, I went to Africa and this is what the queens carry there and what. And she'd raise it in the air and everyone would applaud. And she carried on doing it through the whole concert. Anytime she wanted a hand, she'd go like this and hold up the whisk wow. and everyone would cheer, right? And on top of that, there was two or three guys on stage, two, like, in one dude. Uh, uh, Dressed like a, lions. Uh, right? <laughs> there was a guy in a white suit and a guy in a turquoise suit, and they were clearly strapped. Like, they had guns on stage. And you were like, so as far as gangster act goes, you can talk about all the rap groups you like, but Nina Simone was the fucking real deal. You know, there were, like, <laughs> firearms at the Wiltern <laughs> for a group of middle-aged jazz fans. <laughs> You know, it was like, like my wife goes, does that guy have a gun? And I'm like, I think so, yeah. Like, you know, they're in suits and they're standing on stage like this. Like, what are you doing up there? Your security, you know? And then, of course, she always played the thing that Miles Davis always played, which was that, you know, there's a famous story of her when she first was at school and they wouldn't let her play because she's black. And, you know, she had to argue her way through Juilliard and all that jazz. And, and obviously she had to deal with way more than we can ever imagine. Um, but she always played the white people are devils things. And then her bla- bass player, who she'd been in the band with for maybe 35, 40 years, was a Jewish guy, of course. Yeah. So, like, Miles Davis always said white people were the devil and everything. And yet he worked with Gil Levins. He worked with Bill Levins. He yeah. worked with, I mean, like, <laughs> you can say it all you like, but I always think of what uh, Thelonious Monk said. They always tried to get me to hate white people, but then someone would come along and mess it up. <laughs> 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 so I don't know that it's a... Oh, oh. All documentaries have a point of view, and, and they're not objective. There's no such thing it's as th- objectivity. As soon as a camera's turned on, all objectivity is removed from a room. If we were sitting here and there was a camera on us, we wouldn't be acting the way we are now. We and would even, be acting and, different. And even if there was... <laughs> and the, the, the other point, too, is even if there was a hidden camera, mm. the director will then... Uh, pick what he wants to pick use. Pick what they want to use in the Ed Bay. So like, exactly. so mm-hmm. even if you're going through archival footage or whatever, there is, you can try to be as objective as you can, mm. but there's a subjectivity to every single thing. Well, the title yes. of the movie is Whatever Happened. So obviously we're looking at someone who we've placed at one point and then we feel that they've slid because of whatever reasons, their mental illness or the alcohol or the abuse, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, was she a warm, wonderful human being? She probably had that capacity. Was she on a daily basis? That's impossible for me to say, but no, probably if you were around. <laughs> My wife always tells me a famous story that Eric Burden and her are playing some blues festival, right? Eric Burden from The Animals. And she comes up to Eric Burden and goes, so about this one song you do, you know that's an old spiritual, this, that, right? Like it's a root song. And he goes, what about the song you do that's a chain gang song that you never give him credit for? And she goes, let's have a drink. he calls her right back on it right she's coming up to call him on Mm -hmm. you know uh, misappropriation of black culture and she's like oh he's like "Uh uh-huh and you (laughs) (laughs) and i love that her answer is let's have a drink yeah (laughs) and they have a drink and it's like so uh i think she's a great artist and i think that the biopic has been controversial for whatever reasons Uh, saldana's not black enough sure her nose isn't big enough whatever um, oh the new one that's coming out was yeah. nice held down I'd like to see it anyway because I, I'm a sucker for biopics you know like yeah. but I, mm. what I hate in biopics is the first scene is you chasing butterflies when you're a child and then yeah. the second scene is someone gives you a piano and the third scene is 
like a white person's angry at you, and then the fourth scene is you're in concert at Carnegie Hall. Well, that, know, was, like, that was race. That was exactly yeah. race. Right, yeah. Ray was that movie, right? Like, oh my God, my brother died. Right. And then you're going to school, and then two days later, there's no crying from no, you. No, but the movie Race, too, the That's Jesse Owens, yeah, it's right. the same mm-hmm. thing. They all do yes, that. Yes, yes. Three days later, there's a moment of triumph. That What I hate in the, all those movies is the epiphany moment. Like in the movie Ray, uh, which was beautifully acted by uh, Jamie Foxx, it was... It, uh, Taylor Hockford, you know, it was okay. And it was yeah. clunked along at parts. So it was a bit 50s. Yeah. But there was a scene where he's like, I want to do a country album. And they're like, a country album? <laughs> and like in the Johnny Cash movie, yeah. remember, he goes, I want to do this. And they're like, Johnny, you can't do that. Right. You'll endanger the financial stability of the record company. So, yeah. Sinatra doesn't get his master's. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> if you want to do a show at Folsom Prison, yeah. it's always like, uh-huh. what the heck? Because yeah, they, that's that scene, and they they know everyone in the audience is going to go. Oh, actually, this is yeah, the yeah. this was the breakout. <laughs> this is what. <laughs> also, Joaquin Phoenix was not my choice for Johnny Cash, but there. I, w- <laughs> when I saw the movie, I saw it on a plane. Right, walked the line, and I didn't even think Reese Witherspoon was bad. And I thought she did a good job as Jean Carter. But this, the flight attendant gets up and announced it at the beginning. You know, I don't know when the movie came out. Oh, four, ten, yeah, ten years ago. Yeah. She goes. Um, Today's motion picture uh, on the flight is a wonderful film. Well, I think it's a wonderful film, and it's called Walk the Line. So, of course, I watch it. There's nothing else to do. I'm on a plane coming back from Chicago or whatever. And I liked it, but I didn't think it was wonderful. It wasn't the word. And I wanted to go up to the flight attendant at the end of the flight and go, I didn't think it was wonderful. (laughs) I thought your characterization was inapt and inaccurate. I would have said it was a workmanlike project (laughs) that had moments lacking inspiration and highly predictable. (laughs) For me, wonderful would have been like if you saw Johnny do a rail of meth and then set his forest on fire behind his house, which he did, right, when he lived up in Ojai. And then the feds were called in because it was a, a condor preserve, right? And he ended up wiping out half the habitat for the California condor. Like, he did some shit that was like, he was an insane drug addict, right? Like, he, I want to see him and Waylon doing fucking rails and shots, you know, like, and shooting at road signs. Like, that part of the movie's not in there, you know? Like, we're being... What was that one from the 80s? What if with? they actually shot that scene? Right. And like, we, we got to cut this on the <laughs> editing. But there's actually, like, the, yeah. him destroying the condor the, preserve. The, the, him the, crying the, after, yeah. all just jinked out on math. And, the the cash was, estate was like, nah. No, no. Well, Johnny signed off on it, right? right? And then June died. I think he lived to see, I don't know if he lived to see it. He might have lived to see it. Because June died right before him and everything. No, they signed off on it. So they wanted it to be this, you know, hey, geography or whatever. Yeah. But for me, it was mostly Joaquin. Johnny Cash was a badass dude. Like the hair and the and attitude. Tall. Yeah. He was a he was formidable. Yeah. And Joaquin's, you know, smaller and yeah. not I mean, like, I need a big rockabilly dude. I mean, dye Josh Homme's hair and have him sing low or something. Like, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Get a real musician. Like, Jamie Foxx uh, c- can sing and play. Right. Like, they didn't right. let him sing the part in the movie, but I did a Jamie Foxx show once, and in between takes, Jamie Foxx would walk over to the grand piano and sing and play. And he can sing and play as good as he wants. Like, right. the dude is, like, extraordinarily talented. Yeah. And you think, well, I understand why he played it. Even though he wasn't as tall as Ray Charles or whatever, right. like, he could fucking sit down and make it look right. like he was doing it. Mm-hmm. Where at no point did I think Joaquin was a country star. No. Right. I no, thought he's... he was a nice guy who goes to the Whole Foods in my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I see him checking the cell by date. and the, you so know, who's, who's, who's more believable as a country star, Joaquin Phoenix or Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh, my. <laughs> I love that movie so much. <laughs> 
Oh my God, I love that movie. I watched it. I have a thing about Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, I just think she's a terrible actor or whatever. But playing that role, my favorite was an interview I read with her. She said, you know, because she plays a drug addict country singer, right? right? Who's on the, she's in her middle-aged and then there's the younger girl who's taken over. It's the oldest. It's like a fucking Busby Berkeley musical. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're getting a little old for this business, aren't you? Well, yeah. oh, look here, Dolly. She's new and fresh and clean and young. And, you know, it's one of those fucking, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Gee willikers, you know, hack or Saurus Rex. And, uh, uh, and I think horribly it was called Country Strong. Yes, Country Strong. Strong. Yeah. It, she goes, I didn't know about like how you should play a drug addict alcoholic. So I called Robert Downey and said, What's it like? <laughs> you fucking you ass. If someone called you and said that, you'd be like, Fuck you. That's what it's like. Fuck you. Does that describe it to you? Well, yes. yeah, she didn't add to the story that he hung up on her. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wow, like you called your famous drug addict friend and went like, what's it like to be a drug addict? <sighs> well, you're high a lot. Yeah. And then when you're not high, you're kind of looking for drugs. Yeah. And you get your work done, but there's like big periods where you don't yeah. really know what's happening. But it's like, okay because you're still rich. Well, you're yeah. rich. Yeah. You know, like, oh, the scenes where she was supposed to be wasted and shit, she was the most inauthentic wasted oh. person in the history of wasted. Like there's great movies with drugs in them, like Drugstar Cowboy or uh, uh, Pulp Fiction or whatever where people take drugs and carry on. Right. They keep going. They right. talk. They have intellectual conversations. They smoke. They eat. They fucking live their life. They don't just sit there and go, man, I'm really high. Because that's not how drug addicts act. We're comedians. There's lots of people on drugs around us. They do not act that way. They get up and do their set. Sometimes they kill. Like, you know what I mean? Sometimes they're the producer of what you're doing. Like, there's a lot of different types of drug addiction. Whereas movies like to run for that, I'm scratching my arm and sniffing a lot. Yeah. And I can't quite articulate, which is... Not the way most drug addicts really act. They don't slouch around. No. They fucking get up in your face and fucking... Say crazy shit and... <laughs> They, they they certainly are able to be in bands and be performers all the time. That carries on. That's yeah. not over. And uh, yeah, that movie. Tim McGraw, I thought was the surprise in it. I thought, oh my god, you can act a little. You're you're low key. You yeah. fucking you didn't. Mm -hmm. She's like laying on the couch with her head thrown back to indicate I'm fucked up, and you're like. <laughs> Why Visual you... clues, Greg. Oh, Visual honey. clues. It was like a high school play. It kind of was. And like, you know, Johnny Cash was on drugs for pretty much his whole career. And yeah. so was Waylon Jennings. And they still made five million records. They still took <laughs> yeah. well, Lemmy, who just passed. Yes. Lemmy took meth, I think, up until they gave him the defibrillator. And even then, he probably still took some. <laughs> <laughs> he made a hundred albums. He did a thousand tours. And while he was dying, did another tour. And so if that's what being a drug addict is, right on. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see drug addicts diminish because they're drug addicts. I'd rather see the straight people who are assholes diminish for being assholes. Like, you know what I mean? No one wants to see the Debbie Boone story. You know, no one wants to see like the, uh, uh, who was that one from the 80s? Amy Grant. No one wants to see the no. Amy Grant story or the Striper documentary. <laughs> we want to see Motley Crue yeah. set fire to the bus, drive off the road, you know. <laughs> would kind of want to see the striper documentary i would like to see the striper yeah, only those tights they yeah. wore in the, in the capable hands in yeah. Capable. Yeah. 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 if the cohen brothers made a striper biopic now i would there, be there well what mostly i resented though was that gwyneth thought she was going to have a country career off the back of it and she oh. really was angling for that because as you know the kid rock model or whatever country singer you can think of the hoodie model right. when you're done in one genre of music Country always takes you. Yeah. <laughs> Country's the last redoubt. Right. We don't have that much taste. You know, whatever the problem is, whatever their yep. thing is, you like, you know what? Now I'll do country. 
like, what's his name? Darius basically stopped being a pop star from Hootie and the Blowfish and is a country star. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we like him. Yeah. <laughs> and Kid Rock stopped doing whatever crappy hip hop, whatever the fuck that was, <laughs> he was doing. And now he's a country star. Yeah. So they'll always take you. And they love a second act. They're the one genre that like, oh, I blew my brains out with coke and booze and shit, but I found Jesus. Come on, back. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. We all did. Now make sense I got about a your truck. Yeah, I yeah. got a restraining order too, man. Oh, man. I'm going to fucking become a country singer. Yeah, it's, like, you know, well, it's, it's, it's round two of a career. All right. It is, right? That's the second <laughs> yeah. or third act. You go, fuck it. I'll be a country comic. All right. Um, country. You tone down the funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to include everyone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Don't write in if you're a country comic. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, we have oh. a we have an ad read. Oh, that's right. Let's yeah, do let's My do goodness. it. Squarespace. Uh, this, hey, uh, you know what? One of the things we do, we, we do have ad copy here, but we always say with Squarespace too, it's a company that not only supports podcasting, it supports podcasters, it supports the festival. So. Uh, it's a good company to give your business to and support. And we're not going to make you pay full price. Seriously. No. Yeah, 10% off. Well, how do you do that, Chris? Do a coupon code COMEDYFILMNERDS. So I just go to squarespace.com and I enter to offer code COMEDYFILMNERDS and I get 10% off? Your first purchase. What? It's amazing. And it's a free trial. And here's the thing about it, too. It's there's... Uh, no coding required. It doesn't matter your skill level, and it's uh, it's a lot of easy-to-use tools, and you can get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Yeah, and the thing about Squarespace, I've used it. It's pr- I'm not a tech guy. It's very yep. good at help. If you just want... Earbuds is a Squarespace site? Yes. You mm-hmm. sign up. It can You use the templates. It's really easy to use, and you get to save uh, 10% with coupon code Comedy Film Nerds. So you've got stuff you want to show the world? Yeah. yeah. You've got some weird... Do it. Put your weird nonsense up on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it's meant to be. For 10% off. Yeah, for 10% off. Yeah. It's discount weird nonsense. No one gets canceled on the internet. Nope. Nope. You can't get canceled on the internet. Mm-hmm. You can't have a bad, uh, you know, uh, demogra- or uh, what is it? Fucking marketing. Why am I forgetting words that are already <laughs> uh, already existing? You don't have a bad quarter. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's Look, true. we've been reviewing you guys, and uh, comedy film nerd just isn't producing again. Some of the how did this get made is kicking you guys out. So just, uh, <laughs> Which those cocksuckers are. Yeah. Um, no focus group. That's what I wanted yeah. to say. Focus yeah. Wow, well, the focus groups they didn't like. Yeah. Uh, we're, cu- we're cutting s- your website funding. It should be smartest person in this area. Right, not smartest, smartest man in the world. <laughs> Don't you think, one, you're taking advantage of your male privilege. Two, <laughs> while people listen to my show, they have a toggle in their hand, and they can see if they approve or disapprove of every moment of the show. So that's, <laughs> that's how I try to get my readings, sort of CNN's town hall style. <laughs> very, very hot with the Filipino under fives. <laughs> What is that? I don't know. Is that a real Democrat? It's so great. The Filipino under fives. Yeah, all right. right. It sounds like it's pitchable for a product. I love when somebody makes up some fucking term and then Mm -hmm. no one has the stones to go, what the fuck is a Filipino? Everyone goes, goes, oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, the under fives, right. Yeah, Yeah, we've been trying to get them forever. Huge with those. Need those. (laughs) Especially in the Southeast. It's good with the Texan overcarriage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just got the data on that. It's looking good. So. Numbers are looking good, <laughs> strong, super strong this quarter, emerging. So, so Greg, uh, we want to talk to you uh, about you're involved with the uh, Turner Classic Movie Festival this well, year. Well, I have been. We'll mm-hmm. see if they give me another slot this year. There's been a mm-hmm. lot of hoo-ha and hickety-boop. But last year, I was able to show a picture there. Uh, we did the Greg Proust Film Club there. And uh, at the Egyptian, 
which is that lovely theater on Sunset. And uh, there's four or five theaters there. And they let me show uh, Adam's Rib, which my wife picked, which is- uh, That's on Hollywood. Yeah. Not Sunset. Mm-hmm. Hollywood. Oh, right? it's on Hollywood. Sorry. That's right. Yeah, you're right. The Egyptian on Hollywood. Forgive me. It's near the El Capitan and all that, where all the big yeah. movie yeah, theaters yeah. are. Mm-hmm. But the Egyptian is the one they redid. It was a 20s place, and it's got yes. the big, uh, you know, obelisk out front. And, uh, um, well, because the Freemasons own it. Right. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> they, they designed our dollar. Yeah. And uh, there's a, a great part. How are you with the Freemasons under five? Are we yeah. going to yeah. oh, We're killing. But only yeah. mostly the Austrian Freemasons. We're losing a lot of the Czech Republic ones, and uh, <laughs> we're bleeding in the Balkans. I mean, you know, we got someone. We're bleeding in the Balkans. Triage. Triage in the Balkans. Hashtag I mean, yeah. bleeding in the Balkans. <laughs> uh, so, but they're, they're really fun. And I've, I've worked with them off and on for the last couple of years. I met uh, Scott McGee, who uh, I was doing a gig in Atlanta a couple of years ago, and he had been listening to my film club. And he did a podcast about film. And the book that he quoted from when I went in to do his podcast was comedy film. Oh, yes. nice. Movies, just to bring everything back around. So he took out the book and he starts reading me my chapter about film noir. And I was like, there's nothing more awful than being held to account, right? Of something that you've read and an opinion you put forth. And he's like, well, why is that? And I'm like, oh, golly, I just did it because I love Graham and Chris, you know. <laughs> it wasn't for money. Uh, so I had to defend my position, which was awesome. And then we became mates. And then I went to one just to hang. And um, they have all the great all-time stars that are left alive. They really yeah. do make an effort to go out and get them. Uh, there's a few that won't do it. Like, they, they're never going to get, I don't think, Sean Connery or... Right, you know, There's right. a couple. Harrison Ford might be iffy. But last year, I saw Shirley MacLaine give us a, a talk and her picture uh, uh, Peter Fonda, Sophia Loren for two hours. Oh, wow. wow. Sophia Loren for two hours. And then she came and hosted one of her pictures. Um, uh, and Julie Andrews and uh, Christopher Plummer. And, and they spoke. And then they showed the 50th anniversary of Sound of Music in oh, complete oh, cinerama. Cool. So, like, these are the kind of events. Like, you really do get to see. I, I stood on the red carpet with Kim Novak and talked to her. Ooh. And she was super smoking hot. And she's 80 years old. And then we went to Musso's to get dinner right after. And she came in with a retinue of people. And because Musso's is so old school, it was like it was 1959 when Kim Novak walked in. Everybody, like, you could hear, you know, (laughs) the whole fucking place turned and was like, Kim Novak. And she's tall, right? Mm. And she swanned in, and everybody's like, oh my God. (laughs) So you get that bitching old movie feel. And I've seen. I met Paula Prentice and Richard Benjamin, uh, cinematographers, uh, 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 because they have not only, uh, you know, Quincy Jones gave us a speech, Selma Schoonmaker, who does all of Scorsese's movies. We saw her speak, and we had to fucking split from that to go see another person speak. So oh, you really, man. it's a wild melee of five days. Oh, Richard Drivers was there last year and, and showed a picture and apparently cried during his talk. Um, I didn't get to see that. What was one. he crying about? Krippendorf truck? Well, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> thank you for saying that. Uh, no, it was I'm a sprint for that joke. The minute you said that, was emotionally <laughs> unstable somehow. And uh, but I, I mean, I saw Max von Sydow speak there, and we've seen a lot of great stars and a lot of great pictures. Um, God, they showed the Seventh Seal, and Max von Sydow was there. They showed um, uh, uh, um, uh, Joan Crawford. I learned racing the hard way. Mildred Pierce. And Anne Blythe was there, who plays the slutty teenage daughter in Mildred Pierce. And she's 75 years old now. She yeah. was 17 when she was in the movie. It's wow. from 1945. Wow. And so they, she gets up and talks about the picture, and then they show the picture. Saw a great Gatsby made by Alan Ladd during World War II that no one's ever seen for legal reasons. Like, it's never been on TV. 
I've seen the other two great Gatsby's, right? The crappy mm-hmm. Robert yeah. Redford one and the crappy Baz Luhrmann one. Right. <laughs> which are crappy. They're okay. There's moments. The Baz Luhrmann one, whatever. That, I, I didn't get that at all. But uh, I was a lot of money in reflective glass. Oh, oh my man. God. And I mean, you, what, what do you, great Gatsby, like, if you've ever read it, it's brilliant. Like, it's a brilliant novel. It's evocative. Right. It's, it's moody. It's tragic. It's got everything in it. Greed and venality and sex and mm. money and... You don't really have to jazz it up. Well, I know. That much. <laughs> like, I don't need Jay Z and shit flying through the air to make me interested in this story. It's a story of American wealth and corruption, and you know, golly, the great American novel. So the Redford one's torpid. The Buzz Lerman one's over the top. This one really hit it. It's black and white. They added extra scenes, which I love, that aren't in the novel. Like he's in World War I and he's a doughboy. And then you see his evolving to come to New York. And mm-hmm. so there's all like the first 10 minutes are like shit that Fitzgerald didn't write. That's, they've That's... stuck on. Oh, cool. And, uh, and Alan Ladd's son was there. And Alan Ladd's son goes, my father loved this picture and he really wanted it to be a hit. And it wasn't, it, it came out, it came and came, it went, it wasn't a big deal. His big movies are like this gun for hire and sure, all right, the, dig- right. all the hard bitten stuff, you know, yeah. you know, cause Alan Lund delivers his lines like this, right? He's got that 1940s delivery. <laughs> he's perfect as Gatsby. He's small. He's good looking. Yeah. He, he, he's, there's something wrong. You know, he's hiding something. Did they go into like why it, the legal reasons that it wasn't released? Was yeah, it? like as soon as it, uh, TV came out, they wanted to show it on TV and the studio, no, we're not having that. And so it's just been caught in like a, a twilight zone for 50 wow. fucking years. Wow, weird. But they showed it and we, and you know, there wasn't that many people there, maybe a hundred people to right. see it. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm one of the like 12 people that's ever seen this version of Gatsby that's like a totally worthy version that should be shown on TV. Like oh. TCM should be showing it, but they right. don't, I don't think have the rights to show it. They, they got to show it. This year, the first picture is going to be Carl Dreyer's um, St. Joan, the Joan of Arc silent movie that Dreyer made. And Dreyer's a fantastic silent director with, with an orchestra. So that's oh, like their big cool. centerpiece the first night. Last year it was Sound of Music. And to see Julie Anders and Christopher Plummer get up there, and Julie Anders goes, um, we're shooting the picture, and I can't remember who the cinematographer was, a Brit, I think. And of course they shot on location in, in Austria, you know, and Robert Wise and the whole, and it had been a Broadway show and they'd adapted it and moved some of the songs around and all that. And uh, so they bring in, and Theodore Bikel played on Broadway, but they wanted Christopher Plummer because he's hot, right? Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> And you know it's it's the sixties, so he's you know, with the blonde hair. What's going on in this house? You know, super mean and wooden. You know, uh, she goes. We've been doing it, and we're watching the rushes one day. And the cinematographer says to me, "She goes, well, how's it going?" And he goes, "Julie, you've got this thing on the end of your nose, and you should really have it fixed." <laughs> she goes, "I've been watching the rushes, and I got a lot of close-ups of you, and you've got this bulb right there." And, and so the guy who's interviewing her goes, did you have it fixed? And she went, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is like her first giant, you know, she had done Mary Poppins, right? Right. And beat Audrey Hepburn for the fucking Oscar because mm-hmm. Audrey Hepburn got My Fair Lady, which was her role. Right. She had done it on the West End and Broadway. So her revenge was that Mary Poppins was bigger than fucking Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she got an Oscar for it. And then the next picture, Sound of Music, which... I don't know, is it the most popular movie of all time? Yeah. You could argue. It might not have made the most money. In adjusted dollars, it might be up there. I mean, there's sing-along sound of music. There's people. The towns in Austria where they shot it are tourist places because of the movie. Like, And then she said, the rivers you see in the movie, we made them. Like, there's scenes where there's streams and shit. Where, like, the kids are jumping over the stream and singing. And she's like, no, they dug them out. They put blue shit underneath and they fucking... <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, just like, okay, you know... 
we'll fix it. So mm-hmm. you get to see those kind of things and find out a little bit more. Peter Fonda talked about his dad and said, you know, his dad was never close with him, not that warm. Mm-hmm. That, that one time they get drunk together and the dad said, sit down and like gave him a tequila. And of course, at this point, Peter Fonda's already a star right. and a producer and a director and a, you know, like he'd made Easy Rider. And a, so it was, it's pretty wild what they get into. And of course, now they're old. So they're more sentimental and things from a million years ago, they remember distinctly. Wow. The, you know, the trick of memory, right? Like mm-hmm. if I ask you about something that happened 40 years ago, you're like, oh, I remember that. If I ask you about yesterday, you're like, I don't actually yeah, remember. It all blends what together. I, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the clarity of time, which is, I think, the. Uh, and uh, we were at a party a couple years ago, and they had Lulu get up and sing To Sir With Love at the party, right? And Max Vincito was there with his family. He's got this gorgeous French wife, right? Who's probably in her 70s, you know? Yeah. And Max Vincito's sitting there, and Lulu starts to get up and sing To Sir With Love. And Max Vincito looks up like this. <laughs> you know, like, oh. <laughs> Jennifer's like, look at fucking Max von Like, like an annoyed like, look on his face. Like, oh, God, really? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then they asked him, uh, Leonard Maltin interviewed him, and he said, mm-hmm. uh, after you played Jesus in uh, Greatest Story Ever Told, what was it like for you in Hollywood? And he goes, all they wanted me to do was play Jesus and the Pope. Because <laughs> <laughs> casting directors are not very imaginative. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think if I were to meet Max Moncito, I would like be scared, right? Because he's fucking Max Moncito. Well, right? if you, if you watch Seventh Seal, I put this in the book too. It looks like God. He looks like he's fifty in that movie. That's no, he's like twenty something. Was he twenty nine? Yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> oh, and of course he was critical of it. Like they showed it, and it's such a superb movie. And right. It's just yeah. brilliant, and he's gorgeous in it, and he's you know ramrod straight in it. Mm-hmm. He has no you know. He's his soul's gone. Right. That's his character, right? I went to the mm-hmm. Crusades and I saw too many babies spiked, mm-hmm. and right. so now I'm back in Sweden and I hate life. And he goes, "I thought I was a little over the top." <laughs> and it was completely understated. Yeah, it's like one of these movies where there's just close-ups of his yeah, eyes yeah. for two minutes of his eyes and him <laughs> contemplating the injustice of the world. Yeah, you know, and like you're not over the. Top I must know it. why this is necessary. Yeah, I'm right. <laughs> when the poor girl gets burned at the stake. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, that movie. I think the other part of it is when you see all these, and they don't just show old pictures. They show Deliverance, and they had Burt Reynolds last year, and right. you know they mm-hmm. they show seventies pictures and eighties pictures. But when you see the older pictures, some of them the scripts are so great they just really hold up. Like you're like, oh, yeah, that's how you do a romantic comedy, right? right. I don't need Jennifer Aniston and a dog. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have Ginger Rogers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying old movies are better than new movies. They're not. They're they're, they're just different. They're different, and well, the, because the they motif up, was different. And yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. The, the studio system different produced time. different things, yeah. and it's I, like yeah, it isn't that that one era is better than the other. It's just there. Each era has produced different types of movies that are unique to that era. And what, and this, some of them are good, some are bad. Yeah, some are bad. There's a lot of studio pictures that were cor- that were horrible. That of were just like well, they made 200, 300 pictures a year every studio. So yeah, they just <laughs> there's right. bound to be a lot of filler. And most yeah. of those were. Abbott and Costello movies. Right, there's yeah. 100 Abbott and Costello. <laughs> yeah. Right, like, I'd like to see an Abbott and Costello movie again that I haven't seen since I was little to see if it's still funny. Because right. I haven't watched one in ages. But I, my guess is they're not quite as funny as they were to me <laughs> but, I mean, they when made, I was seven. How many yeah. a year did they make? I mean, it was... Oh, three or four a year. Yeah. They were the biggest comedy team in the world. Right. For maybe 15 years. Man. The world. Uh, bigger than Martin and Lewis. And then Martin yeah. and Lewis came along in the middle of Abbott and Costello. And then Abbott and Costello yeah. were on TV as well. And never great friends, I don't think. Uh, they, Bud lived. Uh, Bud lived, outlived Lou by a long time, and evidently had a garage full of stuff 
there's a book, who was it? Richard Annabelle wrote a book in the 70s and he went to visit him and Bud goes, all right, let me take you back and fucking everything. The posters. Oh, the, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. And, you know, not happy about, you know, because they were huge, man. But they hadn't been a stage act, I don't think. I don't know if they were involved altogether. Well, anyways, they, uh, uh, they don't show so many comedies. The first two years, they let me present a show. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. do the podcast. I got up and I talked about uh, Road But D- now you're doing the podcast? Right, so I did the podcast last year and I did Adam's Rib and hopefully this year. But we'll, we'll pick a vintage picture, probably a 40s or 50s. Nice. Tight movie. Cool. All right. Although I love, as you know, 70s movies. Right. Are- <laughs> well, we'll be covering the, the festival for sure. Um, Alan Havey will not be available this year, but uh, Neil will be going. And uh, Graham and I are going to see if we can go this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Havey's not going? No, he's, he's got he's, some big fancy gig somewhere. Oh, so good for yeah. him. Yeah. He, I always see Havey there. Yep. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. about a bunch of guys you always see there. Yeah, yeah. Because he's sick with it. He's sick mm-hmm. with it, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm hoping we're going to go. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think you'll enjoy it. It's, I'd love it's a it. little different. Because it's not contemporary film. Right. And that's the biggest difference. But you're in a world of fucking movie stars. Neil right? absolutely loved it. He went for the first it's time be the best last thing in the year. World. He said like it was every amazing. year I'm either yeah. like gone or something. Or right. Maybe. Yeah, we got to try to work it out this it. year for we're sure. It's it. fine. So. All right. So DVDs. And, uh, <laughs> then you can have a burger, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You go to Musso and Frank's. You can go yeah. have a vegetarian burrito. <laughs> They've got sides. <laughs> They've got sides. <laughs> yeah, Ste- you can have the cream potatoes or whatever. The steak yeah. joints have great sides. Yeah. I've eaten it. I was going to say, the thing about a steak joint is you can get a baked potato, you can oh. get spaghetti, the whole... This cream spinach is... Yeah, they, they know what they're yeah. doing yeah. over there. The French potato, bread. Potatoes all gratin. Mm-hmm. Come on. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Macbeth. Now, this is the uh, Fastbender This is the Fastbender one that I saw when I was in Melbourne. Some film nerd fans actually took me to it, which was really cool. It's um, the opening battle scene is worth watching just on its own. Mm-hmm. And it's Fastbender doing Macbeth. It's pretty It's pretty fantastic. So. Yeah. It had a very limited release here in the Crazy in the limited. States. It was and, in like uh, half a theater. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to catching it on uh Yeah. If you, uh, if you obviously, more than likely, you missed this movie. So, right. the fact that it's coming out on DVD or VOD or whatever. Is it British? Yeah, it's a British production. Yeah, it was Australian. Sure. It is well. I think it was like a co-Australian because BBC put some money. Is he in. doing a fake Shakespeare British accent in it, or is he just? <laughs> well, you know, because you have to go uh, tomato and tomato and yeah. tomato. He's. It's why Fassbender is an excellent actor. Yeah. I think because he can. That's such a that's such a challenge, and he does it. It's like a mix between Magneto and Steve Jobs. Right? <laughs> exactly. It's Steve Jobs from Magneto Macbeth. So check that out. <laughs> Perfect. Chris Mancini nailed Macbeth. That's why you should go watch it. Is it set in the Middle Ages? Like the yeah. for real? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't do that. They kept it Middle Ages. Yeah, they, they didn't kept update it with the no. Kenneth Branagh were in Victorian times. No, yeah. they didn't make him like, oh, he's a DJ. Or he's, he's a, a stock- road warrior. Yeah. yeah, he's a stockbroker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. So, Richard, Richard III is a fascist instead. <laughs> and uh, the next movie is the Peanuts movie. Um, this is another one that I spoiler I, alert. I missed. Yeah, <laughs> he does not kick a field goal. Yeah. Oh, you just it's ruined the, the film way, for me. The, the tree eats his kite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kite. Spoiler alert. And um, I'll check this out on video too. And Victor Frankenstein. I don't know anybody who actually saw this movie. I don't even think Neil. Uh, yeah, no idea. Out. No idea. What this, this is. is. Yeah, this is the. Um, uh, the retelling of Frankenstein with Harry Potter in it. <laughs> oh. is it it's a live action. It's not a cartoon. Yeah, it's right? live action. Mm-hmm. So is it supposed to be from the doctor's point of view? <laughs> Maybe. It's, it's, okay. it's Frankenstein's cousin, Vic, and yeah. he runs like an auto parts store. <laughs> hey, Vic! I got this guy over here with a bolt in his head. Put him up on the rack. Yeah, so check that out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe, he's, he does these... Um, 
post Harry Potter movies. Some okay. of them hit, some of them don't. And now uh, this next section, guys, is a is a thing we're gonna do with uh, this new app, Spare Men, which is how you can have you can talk to people and have conversations without like giving out your phone number. Um, so we brought Jackie Cation in to talk about why uh, what she thought about the new Deadpool movie, since she's such a Marvel file. So here is Jackie Cation talking about Deadpool on Spare Men. Hello. Hello. Hey! Oh, it's working. Jackie Cation is here <laughs> on the Comedy Film Nerd Spare Men app. Um, and Jackie, you've got a little less than five minutes, so we're going to talk about the movie Deadpool. So what did you think of it? I enjoyed the movie Deadpool. Click. No. <laughs> hey! Uh, <laughs> I saw the movie Deadpool because I read the comic books Deadpool. And so uh, I enjoy almost all things Marvel. Not all things, but I enjoy many of the things. And Deadpool, first of all, went with my fella, Andy Ashcraft. And as we were standing in line, five young men, ages 10 to, what, 15, said, hey, can you buy us tickets? Because you got to be 17 to get in. And, and I, I, hope said, you, I hope you said no. Of course I said no. And then I bought them five tickets for my nephews. And so... <laughs> Because it's Deadpool. It, there's there's much worse things on the internet than Deadpool. And there were many, many gross things that happened to Deadpool. But when I was 15, I didn't get them. So I assumed... And these were, these were five very blue-collar Mexican kids from Van Nuys. They were the nicest young men in the world. They were all like, thank you so much. Thanks, Aunt Jackie. Thanks, Aunt Jackie. For hearing the uh, I'll sit on your face joke. <laughs> there was I, I got to learn what pegging was, you guys. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Jackie. It was educational. It was. So. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a lot of, oh, I didn't know that existed. <laughs> and it's International Women's Day today, you guys. Oh. Well, so, so find a lady and celebrate Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Jackie, as we have about three minutes left. Um, compared to the, the comic, how was the film for you? It did it did a really good job actually compared to the comic. It kept what I really liked about the movie, two things. One was that there was that good the good when Marvel does it right, they get the good heart where the entire purpose of the whole arc of the movie was about his looks and how he couldn't face the fact that now he looked like a burn victim. Right. And he had been such a handsome, handsome man. And then of course he meets Inara from Firefly. And, um, and they're fine. They, uh, it turns out she's not, he's still ripped like Jesus, right? That was a Greg Barrett joke. But, um, he's still, you know, he's still very handsome for a guy whose skin is covered in weird. Would and then. Would guests say he's Hollywood ugly? Yeah, very much so. <laughs> very much so. And, uh, and then. Um, what I like, what I really liked about it compared to the comic books is that it ended on a happy note because oftentimes the comic books do not because the guy's life is a disaster. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I like that he's going to be happy between this and Deadpool two or whatever. Is this your favorite? I mean, Ryan Reynolds movie? Because it kind of. Oh my god! I couldn't pick a Ryan Reynolds movie out of a out of a out of a pile of other dudes with haircuts. Um, <laughs> It's uh, he's just another handsome guy who does a lot of sit-ups, as far as I can tell. Um, wasn't he in that Steve Carell movie? That wasn't a Steve Carell movie. 
I don't know what movie is that. Um, you know, you could go all the way back to Van Wilder if you like. Which I understand this is essentially a remake of Van Wilder. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's what Deadpool is. It's a, it's a, it's a Van Wilder with swords. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And lots of guns. I loved how it opened. The credits were awesome. Yeah. That were great. The great best opening credits ever. Yeah, the stinger was amazing. The thing after the credits was was awesome. Who doesn't like Happy Deadpool? I love Happy Deadpool. So what are you hoping for? We got about 30 seconds left to love. What are you hoping for in the sequel? Other than seeing Cable. <laughs> oh, I'm okay with Cable. Uh, what I really, I, I, I really want to see him with Captain America. Oh. It's, it's, he's such a little girl when it comes to Captain America. He's like, how can I be on Captain America's team? I want to just be on Captain America's team. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, that's what I would love to see. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Jackie Cation for coming on Comedy Film Nerds using the Spare Men app. Yay. Well done, Jackie. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, you guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, that I, was cool. I knew she was going to like it. I knew it. she was like it. She yeah. read the comics. I knew she was going to like it. She, she loves comic books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she she does. Does. <laughs> it's hard for her. She likes, she likes Iron Man too. Yeah. That's when you know, like right. she's she's you on can't board. disappoint her. No, she's yeah. on board with all yeah. of them. She liked the Hulk movie. She liked the Hulk. Did movie. she really? People don't even know that exists. Pooch. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Wow. I, I stay away from superhero movies because <laughs> I'm always disappointed. <laughs> all right, site spotlight. Yeah, you know what we uh, we were talking about these uh, last week. There's a lot of new stuff on the site. Want to make sure you didn't miss anything. Uh, Neil put a London has fallen uh, review up. God bless him. He went to see it. Uh, Rick Myers review of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Sort uh, the of the billboard bunked my high so oh. hard. <laughs> it's, it's all over LA for your yes. listeners. London it really has fallen is. is just like this time. It's fucking put sorry, mate. Yeah, <laughs> oi, you watch this fucking film, <laughs> cinema. Oh. Ah, boy, um, is he you gonna- fucking toilet how dare you fucking look at me really is that what this was about are they gonna just keep doing things are gonna keep falling they're gonna just keep going the kremlin is falling yeah there's one man can kiwis are falling oh god parliament like what are they just like tokyo is falling the tokyo stock exchange the nippon Mm -hmm. has gone down and he's gonna okay until there are no countries left Okay. Um, so uh, we're going to be talking about Crotchet Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny a little more on the next episode. But in the meantime, if you want to read Rick Meyer's review, it is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> he is, uh, let's just say, a little critical of the film. No, uh, Rick Meyer's is critical of a martial arts movie. And the thing about Rick and CJ, their funniest reviews are when they tear into something, <laughs> for sure. Um, and CJ reviews How to Be Single, Son of Saul, and Hail Caesar and the Witch. Now CJ and Neil split on the Witch. Uh, CJ really liked it, but Neil was a little more lukewarm that on the witch. That shocks me. I thought I would have thought it would have been I, I, the I, me too. Which me one's too. The witch? This is the artsy horror movie uh, that's set in um, the Puritan times in uh, in Salem. Okay, I think it's Salem. But, Hail uh, Caesar! Wow, that did not. The preview didn't look good, baby. So, uh, I re- <laughs> really enjoyed Hail Caesar. Actually, did you? Yeah, okay, check good. it out. Yeah, I, yeah. All right thought it was okay until i did a spoiler yeah. episode and chris and paul goble talked me into liking it yeah oh, okay all right then you liked it from you went you upgraded from okay to like I did. it yeah so yeah. Uh, i mean they kind I of they waterboarded me but i mean it was uh, yeah an yeah it, tool. Was, uh, it worked because i go um, back and forth with the cons well well i think yeah, the point here it, is torture works oh okay. yeah i think so. 
here, here. I already yeah. that. Yeah. I'm an American. But uh, you know what's interesting is that don't go by the trailer with Hail Caesar. Okay, good. It's, it's uh, yeah. It's definitely yeah. Because the trailer, I was like, this is making it look really cornball and goofy. Yeah, it's it's not. It's it's, 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 it's more of a fun. It's movie. some cool stuff. Yeah, all right. Um, so check out the site. There's a lot of stuff there. The other thing I want to mention to you guys too is you guys have really been supporting the store. We really appreciate it. And also, if you're buying on Amazon, you can go through our link. A lot of you guys have been doing that too. Our affiliate link. You're gonna buy stuff anyway. Amazon or iTunes. Yeah. Go through us first. Cool. We get a little taste. It doesn't cost yep. you anything. In fact, some people, and this is very, um, very forward thinking, is they use our affiliate link and make that their Amazon link, so they don't even have to go through our site anymore. They just, uh, yes, thank you, they, they, uh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) The the fans, the fans know know what they're doing. doing. Um, There's only one man that stands between the firewall. (laughs) (laughs) Graham Elwood. Amazon has fallen. (laughs) So, and premiering this week. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. We've I'm, seen a lot of, of uh, teaser trailers about this movie. I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I am too. I'm mm-hmm. kind of thinking this could be, you know, is it is it a, uh, a more uh, crazy action-packed room? Or is this, <laughs> uh, it's Room with Monsters? Yeah, is it mm-hmm. Room with Monsters? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I love address movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 42, Baker Court. <laughs> what? What happened now? You'll find out. <laughs> Last house on the left. Yeah. 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 All right. So we're... we're we'll, we'll see. We'll see and, and the interesting thing is, too, it's such a tease. Like, you don't know, is there a monster in it? It's set in the same world, but you're like... The, the tag is kind of like where, well, the monsters come in all different, uh, you know, shapes and size. And, oh, well, does that mean so we're John, not going to see so a monster? So John Goodman's the so monster? So John Goodman's the monster? Yeah, yeah. So does that mean we're not going to see all a right. monster at the end? I, they kind of want to. If I don't see the monster at the end. Yeah, I'll be a little I'm gonna I'm going to yeah. kick it. I'm yeah. going to kick this movie. <laughs> uh, the Brothers Grimsby. This is another spy parody movie with Sasha Baron Cohen. I, I'm go- I prefer his scripted stuff mm-hmm. because the... As I've talked about before in the show, when he does the the improv thing, it's always funny, but it always gets old for me because it's like, I get it. This this person doesn't know that you're doing the fake right. guy. The right. Situation yes. in a row. Right. I got it's it. It's great for a sketch. It's great for a sketch, but a 90-minute film, no. Mm. So I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. It could be funny. Uh, this next movie looks absolutely hilarious. I don't know who was demanding this movie. Uh, the Young Messiah. This is uh, Jesus as a, as a kid. Nice. You know, his, his formative teenager years. Wasn't it the Ted Cruz campaign? Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, absolutely hilarious. Is it a comedy or? Uh, no. Oh. No. It's, oh, I uh, thought if it was a comedy, it'd be great. No, I, I think uh, the, oh the God, young Oh, my God, Greg, your reaction right like, now is yeah. perfect. And, and it could have been like, you know, because like, well, what are we going to call it? Can we call it Young Jesus? Like, well, yeah, like Young Guns. Let's do, yeah, Young Jesus. Right, and Lou Diamond yeah. Phillips. Yeah, it'd be great. Pontius Pilate. Um, so, you know. <laughs> so it's a Jesus origin story. So it's a Jesus origin story. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. It's we Holy Ghost Protocol. Call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, everybody. That's why I get the middle money. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think That's it's why I can't true. afford a rental car in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Lyft. Where are you? Oh, you don't have Lyft in Kansas. Oh, I need a sandwich. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I think this young Messiah will be a, a really entertaining origin story, so you can find out. Finally, where Jesus got his powers. Since there's no source yeah. material for this. It's yeah. a very exciting extrapolation. The Bible, quiet on this matter. Yeah. Yes. They don't, so, they just so find out where Jesus got his powers. Okay. Find out the origin story. Um, oh, can I recommend a book off the back of this? Yeah. Uh, when you mentioned it, the reason I asked if it was a comedy is um, 
uh, uh, oh god. Well, it's based on the book Saviorhood. Uh, really? <laughs> soundtrack by judas priest yes. <laughs> uh christopher moore uh wrote a lots of best-selling books uh, uh, practical guide to demon keeping and all that jazz and um you suck and this and that but he wrote a book called lamb and the premise of the book is uh, 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 uh jesus best boyhood friend is resurrected from the dead by an archangel and sent to a hotel room in new york where they ordered pizza and they're watching jerry springer and the archangel says to him you are to write your gospel and he's like, my name's Biff. And in the first paragraph is, and so shall you know me, da, 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 da. I am Biff, friend of Jesus. And the first scene is he meets Jesus in the town square and they're little kids in Bethlehem. And Jesus is with James, his younger brother. And James is smashing a lizard with a rock over and over. And Jesus keeps putting it in his mouth and it comes back alive and he hands it to his brother. And so it goes from there. They're, they grow up together. They go to adventures. It's like how young Jesus becomes Jesus. And so I, when you said that, I thought, oh, I read one that was really funny. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be like, you know, crappy overhead shots of him. And oh, God, what are they going to make Jesus do as a child? Because <laughs> in this one, he goes, he becomes, he's a Buddhist, you know. Oh, man. That's where he learns the trick to make the fishes, you know. Like, yeah. The Buddhist taught him that. That's so great. <laughs> one, one, one grain of rice. And then mm-hmm. it becomes a bowl of rice. Wow. Buddha was around five years, hundred years before. Well, Jesus. exactly. There's so much that, you know, that's why. Yeah. This, whoa. There's some history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So All right. Great. Is that uh, our episode? Is that, that it? That is. That is our episode. Oh, well, uh, Gregory Proops, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. In. Always a treat. Um, of course. Uh, so tell people where they can find you, upcoming shows. What do you got? Thank you. Uh, oh, tom- tonight I will be at the uh, Cine Family in Hollywood, or, or Tuesday, rather, the 9th, doing... Um, we're going to show Times of Harvey Milk. That's the Greg Group Film Club. Then I'm going to Kansas City, Missouri. I'll be at the Kansas City Improv Thursday night. We'll be doing the podcast, The Smartest Man in the World. Then I will be in Europe for your European friends. Uh, I'll be at the Comedy Store on the 16th. I'll be in Glasgow at the Glasgow Comedy Festival the 18th and 19th. The 22nd, I'll be in, Bel- in Antwerp, 24th in Stockholm, and then back to the States. I have a book called The Smartest Book in the World. I have a podcast called The Smartest Man in the World. I have a new album out called In the Ballpark. You can go to gregproops.com. No, I'm not going to spell it for you. And of course, the <laughs> podcast and everything's free on iTunes like everybody else. Nice. And of course, guys, uh, if you don't already have the Comedy Film Nerd Guide to Movies, uh, he has the Film Noir chapter in it. Yes. And before he leaves, we're going to have him sign a couple. Yeah, we're going to uh, chain him to a thing and make him yeah. sign 500 books. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. It's more than my editor, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much. Like we said, uh, LA Podfest September twenty three through the twenty fifth. Go to the mm-hmm. go to the website lapodfest.com. Uh, you guys have been great for supporting this, and um, you know we appreciate all of your uh, whatever's your comments and your positive reviews and everything else. Absolutely, we love your uh, feedback. Uh, we really appreciate it, especially when it's succinct and positive. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Long and negative. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. So we. Um, uh, well, you've got some dates coming up, right? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I will be uh, headlining in uh, beautiful Appleton, Wisconsin mm-hmm. at the Skyline Comedy Cafe, March 17 through 19. I'm also in beautiful Lake Havasu, March 30 and 31st. Is the London Bridge still there? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The London Bridge is still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the real one. Yeah. Oh, a real one. Yeah. yeah. They brought one. There's some crazy shenanigan story or oh, yeah. some rich guy built one or one. Right. Well, the real one's in Arizona, right? Right. That's the one mm-hmm. at Lake Havasu. That's the actual. Well, it's, it's, but there's hundreds of bridges that cross 
the Thames. It's it's oh. a bridge from London. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's my fair lady. London Bridge is falling down. Kind of. <laughs> Take the key and lock her up. Yes. Yeah, so come on, walk across the London Bridge, guys. So. Um, yeah. And then I'll be in Vegas in uh, April. Oh, cool. And then uh, I wanted to mention I did a couple podcasts you could check me out on. I did Monster Party with uh, um, Matt, Weinhold. Matt Weinhold. Yeah, really, really fun time. And uh, went through the whole... We did when horror movies go bad, so I went through the entire Asylum story again and watched their oh, mouths Jesus. just drop open. Yeah, nobody uh, believed that story. <laughs> and then uh, I did Fixing Joe, the Joe Matarese podcast. You can check that out nice. as well. So um, really fun stuff. Like I said, guys, thanks again for uh, supporting the store and the podcast. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Greg Proops, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a poorly developed character. <laughs> uh, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han shot first. Succinctly. <laughs>